1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am your host, Cody Goodwin. Joined again, 247 Sports Senior Writer John Taldi and fellow Bama 247 Staff Writer Mike Rodak. We are here um, late on Monday night, after both the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, we know who's going to be in the national championship next week in Houston. It will be number one Michigan, number two Washington. Uh, Michigan took care of Alabama, 30, twenty-seven to twenty, excuse me, in overtime. Uh, Washington just took care of Texas, thirty-seven to thirty-one in regulation. Thrilling finishes in both games. Obviously, we're going to focus on the Alabama-Michigan game. Um, we're going to keep it a little bit shorter tonight because we're a little worn out. It's a little late. John, what was kind of your initial reaction, initial takeaway from the Rose Bowl tonight?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting in that you you look at the first half and you feel like Alabama was absolutely outplayed, and they were in some ways lucky to be only down by three. And so, and then you add the second half, uh, and in a lot of ways you could think like Alabama got outplayed in this game, but yet... I still also feel like Alabama should have won this game. And I think it's just an interesting kind of combination of, in a lot of ways, Michigan, I thought, played better than Alabama. But Alabama had a couple moments. And, you know, to be winning late in a game, it was about four minutes left, they're up by a touchdown, you know, four minutes to go to a national championship against Washington, which, you know, would have been certainly interesting. I think Alabama would have been a favorite in that game. Uh, But for it to all kind of fall apart uh, was a bit surprising just because of how resilient this team has been. So, there, I mean, we'll talk – you know, about all the different issues, and there are quite a few of them. But it just—I guess I'm, for me, it's like I'm some ways surprised that they lost, even though there's all these different factors that Michigan was better in. That means that Michigan should have won this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I, think, I think it surprised all of us. We sat here a couple days ago, and we all said Alabama would win, and some of us, really all of us, thought it would be fairly—I don't say easy, but like we all predicted like a touchdown sort of um, deficit or touchdown lead. So, I don't know. It was pretty clear from the get-go that Michigan could play with them. Like, the physicality that we thought Alabama would bring with their offensive line, with their defense, like, the advantages that we thought they would have were just not there. And that was evident in the first half. Um, And then it it kind of followed the script of the season, like, as a whole, but also, like, how most games have gone. Like, they kind of mess around in the first half. And then... Uh, They put it together in the second half, and it seemed like with five minutes to go in the game, like, they had it. Like, that was going to be their game. Uh, And then to see Michigan drive down the field 75 yards for a touchdown and score, and then to come into overtime in two plays go 25 yards and score a touchdown in overtime against Nick Saban's defense, which even Donovan Edwards, you know, the Michigan running back, was telling me, like, how many first-round picks are on that defense right now? Just this year, there's probably three Like, you you know, take it out with Caleb Downs and all those guys over time, it's probably seven, eight first-round picks maybe. Like, we'll have to see where Jihad Campbell goes. But, like, that's a good defense. And those two plays just happened like that. That's wild. Like, that. you can talk about the offense. You can talk about the bad snaps, all that. But the most shocking part of this game to me was Michigan in overtime scoring in two plays. That was absolutely shocking.
1: Yeah, the Alabama's defense has made a habit of, you know, and the, to your point on the whole script idea, like they would – the first half of games was almost like, and even you know, in some games the first quarter, it's like feeling it out, like what's what what are these guys trying to do, right? And then they make some adjustments, and then like especially like at halftime, they really implement a lot of adjustments, and they basically put the clamps on everybody. We saw it against Ole Miss, saw it against Tennessee, saw it against Georgia to an extent. I know Georgia ended up scoring a couple touchdowns late, but like they they always found a way to make the big play when Alabama needed it and tonight it felt like they did when Jalen Milroe fumbled Michigan drove 20 yards and ultimately what it was a tackle for loss on second down a third down stop and then they missed the field goal and in my head I'm like oh like they just dodged the bullet like they're they're good now um and then obviously you know field goal 20 to 13 Michigan carves them up and then you know overtime happens and yeah like that was that was jarring you know in the second half think I ran these stats Michigan's first 24 they had 197 yards in the first half their first 12 plays of the second half 24 total yards and then their last 12 plays 100 even 14 points yeah like it was wild like they just it, I you know and you know give credit to Michigan for you know it was really like their senior trio on offense right like J.J. McCarthy I guess he's not a senior but J.J. McCarthy Roman Wilson and Blake Corum that just really you know that was the drive and then Corum obviously did what he did in overtime but yeah I agree like that was I thought the defense would get a stop because we've seen them get stops over and over and over again. So it was jarring that they didn't. And I was sitting there
2: and the the offense too, we can talk about because I was sitting there at one point, I'm like second half Jalen Murrow has 93 passing yards. I think he had 40 rushing yards when I looked down and they were winning and they're winning by a touchdown. And I'm like, how are they winning? Like that's not good enough offensively. And you could say, yeah, it's good enough against Michigan's number one defense. It just didn't seem like it was enough. Uh, And, his final line, 16-23 to for 116, no touchdowns. Like, 63 rushing yards on, on 21 carries. That includes the sacks. Like, just wasn't good enough from Milrow. And he didn't have a bad game by any means. But just in a game like that, you need a little bit more. You needed a championship-level performance out of him. I don't think they got it. Um, I mean, Justice Haynes, 7.8 yards a carry. Jim Miller, an 11-yard carry. Jason McClellan, 6.2 yards per carry. Like, they were doing it enough on, in the ground game. But... To have that passing game, I don't know fails the right word, but falls short considerably, I think is still an underrated part of this game,
1: yeah, the uh, just a quick synopsis of the game you know, Alabama recovered a muff punt, scored um, to go up seven zero. Michigan ultimately battles back for you know two touchdowns in the first half, thirteen ten lead at half. um Alabama does their thing they you know they I thought they moved the ball actually fairly well early in the second half, like they you know couple of bad snaps stalled one drive milrow fumbled another and then they scored a touchdown um you know like they were moving the ball pretty well in the second half and just silly little mistakes here and there um but like you said it it wasn't enough um and i give a lot of credit honestly to michigan's defense i know we're kind of bouncing around ideas here but john i'm kind of curious what you thought like michigan's defense like one they were not afraid like mike said which was very impressive right out of the gate but two i feel like you know Milrow kind of, you know, similar to the defense kind of eases his way into games and then he really starts to light it up second, third, fourth quarter. Michigan didn't really allow him to kind of ease in, right? Like, two sacks in the first series, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if not for the muff punt, like, who knows what Michigan does with that next possession. Um, And he was just, you know, like, Alabama's offensive line gave up, what, six or seven sacks tonight. Like, who knows how many more pressures. And Michigan really wasn't blitzing a ton. Like, they were just getting home, and they were doing different stunts and twists and stuff. And (coughs) I don't know that he ever got comfortable. And because he is naturally a slow starter, and he didn't get comfortable early, um, it just – it was – Kind of, you know, Alabama was playing with fire, right? And ultimately they, you know, they had been playing with fire all season, but it mm-hmm. burned them tonight. Yeah, he didn't seem fully comfortable on the grass either. You know, I thought like
0: a couple of his runs, him trying to plant, seemed to struggle a little bit there. But yeah, I mean, I think we said on the last podcast before the game that, you know, the, the stats show that they're number one defense in the country. And there are a lot of things that made you believe this was a really legit. Defense, but they just some of the teams that they had played just were not at the level of what we've seen in the SEC. And so there was just that question are they really legit or have they just been inflated by these other opponents? When they're mentioning Maryland as one of the best in Ohio State, it just doesn't really match some of the SEC offenses. And I think, you know, Mike, you said early on like this team can play with them. And you felt yeah. very early on that they could compete with them. Um, and there's been a lot made in more of the Michigan side of things of just. It was the beat Ohio State period, then the change it to beat Georgia, and then it became beat Alabama. And I was talking to Blake Gorham after the game today about it, and that's offense, but it's defense too, is it like, they made it a major priority to get physically stronger. And you saw them today, both defensively and then also offensively late. They could push Alabama around a little bit. Like, they could match up physical. I mean, Alabama has some big dudes, and Michigan did not get blown out. They did not get pushed out. They had enough athletes to compete. With Alabama, and there's just not that many teams that can do that. We have not seen many teams be able to do that. I think this year it's been Texas and Georgia, probably from athletic caliber, and Michigan absolutely believe. And I just think – you think sometimes you fall into the lull of, like, what these brands are. and Michigan, you just don't think of them quite that way. But mm-hmm. this is kind of – some of the journalists, you know, today were saying, like, this is kind of their last dance team. Like, all the pieces were meant to be for this year. And we, we saw that on display today, and they – like Jesse Minter, who we've talked about on the podcast this week, like I think is a future head coach. I think he called a great game. Um, I think when I was talking to him after the game, like he said, we have to be aggressive. Like we have to go after them. We can't let them come to us. Basically said we want. We felt you know that the deep passing, the vertical passing game was like major concern. We wanted to make sure that didn't happen. They completely took that out of the game. Uh, you know they let, let up some running uh, in the second half, but um, the defense just did a great job. You know I don't think Alabama's offense was. Awful. I mean, we'll talk about the snaps here in a second, but uh, you know, just two just really good teams, I think. And uh, Michigan
2: was better tonight. I really think they were. And the snaps are what, like 10 years from now, when fans talk about this Rose Bowl, that's going to be the number one thing they remember. I agree. Like, Seth McLaughlin is going to be the number one player that comes up after this game. And, um, I mean, again, it's one of those things we've talked about the entire year. It was kind of a joke at the beginning of the year when he had a bad snap against Middle Tennessee. He's like, oh, you know, have to put money on it next time or whatever. And it happened against Texas. It kept happening. You know, Arkansas, there was a bad snap. And the very next play, Jalen throws a 70-yard touchdown. Like, they kept overcoming it. They overcame it to an incredible degree in the Iron Bowl. Um, it, that's what created fourth and 31 was a, a bad snap. And you just had a feeling that it was a, it was going to come up in a bad time. And it certainly did in the third quarter um, when they had the back-to-back, you know, one that went by Muro and then the one that he bobbled I think you, Cody, counted like ten of them that were just low or off at, at, at some least, point.
1: At least ten, because right, I'm spending half the fourth quarter making sure we've got the instant ready to go. So there's probably mm-hmm. a few that I'll have to go track in the rewatch. And then
2: that final play is kind of the the nail in the coffin. You know, it just you could tell Chris Fowler, who was calling the game live, even said low snap when, when it happened. Um, and you, I took a screenshot of Milro reaching down to get the ball and, you know, There was different versions of the story from players after the game. I don't know how exactly it changed what Jalen Miller was doing. We didn't have much of an opportunity to ask him. uh, Did it change? Was he going to go to Roydell Williams on the the swing? Um, Was he going to do something else? He just kind of seemed like panicked a little bit and just kind of ran it up the middle um, and and tried to make something out of nothing, and it didn't work. And, again, there's a lot of things that put Alabama in that position, but that's what people are going to remember. And I think it's... It's going to be really tough for Seth McLaughlin to come back from that. Um, you know, I think for a, a guy who's 22, 23 years old, he's a senior, to have him not talk about it in the locker room after the game and, and decline it and, and walk out, I don't think was a great look. And, um, you know, Jalen Miller had to answer for it. He's had to answer for it all year. Um, and some of it's Ben been fault. I don't think it's entirely McLaughlin, but. It's hard to see him as Alabama's starting center next year after this.
0: Well, and even I, I think Mike, you and I are standing next to each other on the sideline. Like it was a couple of plays earlier where, like, I mean, it was like a fastball snap that came in real hot on Jalen, and he able, was able to get it. But like, I mean, we're talking mostly about the low bad snaps. But mm-hmm. even some of the other ones, just like we're not like, just their tempo was off, and it just, I don't know. I mean, I think not to go Star Wars here, but like. A lot of times people have talked about you know, the flaw in Alabama's Death Star. And for so long it was special teams. And I even talked to Will Record about that today. It's just like, yeah, like when I came in here, like, it was like that's the one flaw of Alabama is special teams. Special teams was awesome tonight. I yeah. mean, the punter was incredible. Will Reichardt hitting 250-plus yarders. So I don't know why maybe Alabama just needs one weird thing to kind of keep it interesting. But, like, the snapping issues were a problem all year. We talked about it ad nauseum. And I
1: was gonna say, how many links did Mike share in the middle of the right. game There's where like he put dates? Times every
2: written about that. Yeah. and
0: it cost him, you and know. It, and it's it's unbelievable that snapping issues could cost your Rose Bowl, but in many ways, it, it did. I mean, it, right. and, and Tyler Booker was talking after the game about just drive killers and like not to just put it all in one guy, but those bad snaps were drive killers. They were. I mean, there are multiple times where it killed promising drives, and uh, I, I don't. Again, I'm not a uh, offensive line expert. I don't know how much of the breakdown is Seth versus Jalen, but it at least seems like it's more Seth, just from someone who's watched a little bit
2: of I football. Mean, I could see Saban's reaction when I asked Miller about it. I just think Saban seems exasperated with McLaughlin and He put his hands in his he put his face in his yeah, hands, didn't he? He yeah. did. And um, I don't know, it's like is there somebody better in the portal right now? Probably not, but can you you know, as these things happen, you back channel the portal and figure out who might want to go in as a center somewhere. Do you wait until the spring period when it's open in April? Um, you know, you got to find somebody. I don't know if there's somebody ready like James Brockenmeyer I don't think is better than Seth McLaughlin, or he'd be playing. I mean, Terrence Ferguson is the other option to move him from guard, but that's going to be the one of the big stories of the offseason. But it's – again, I don't – I think it all boils down to that. And I think this game renewed some of the questions about Jalen Monroe in general. Um, Is he good enough next year as their starter to win a national title, regardless of who's snapping him the ball? I think I would have more doubt coming out of this game than I would have coming out of the Georgia game, certainly. Um, I don't think he's going to be the Heisman favorite, as people kind of predicted. And, you know, even with maybe Ryan Williams becomes a big name or whatever at wide receiver, like. It's gonna. The offense is not going to look a whole lot different. Like it, Tommy Reese comes back, Melrose comes back. This is what it's going to be next year. And is that going to be good enough? I, that's another question for this offseason.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest Is Football.
0: It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of
1: the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. I know the offense, I, I mean, really, outside, honestly, outside of special teams, offense and defense both had their issues. We talked about the defense a little bit. I wanted to talk about Michigan a little bit. Um, I know that we, all three of us were not particularly high on Michigan. We admitted as much on the board this morning before the game. We admit as, admitted as much on the podcast um, before the game. Um, man, they were impressive tonight. Like, I know we kind of raved about their defense a little bit, but their offense, too, like it was when, when they lined up for a gotta-have-it drive like J.J. McCarthy, Roman Wilson, Blake Corum, like they made it happen, and that was very impressive. And I know we talked about, you know, Alabama's defense really not coming through, but I think there's an element of that too that um, Michigan went and took it. Right, like they, they had the opportunity to seize it, to seize the game, to seize the energy of the game, right? I know that, that drive, a play 75 yards in about three minutes forced OT, but, you know, even Blake Horam said afterward, he's like, dude, when we scored, like I knew we were going to win it in OT. Like, and it took them two plays and they were back in the end zone again. Like, what maybe impressed you guys the most about what Michigan was able to do or what did you – like what what did they – You know, was there a surprise with the, what they were able to do? I think just what you said there I think is a big part of it because I think it's both of these
0: teams – both in terms of who they were this year, but also just the last few years, kind of were playing to who they were. It was like, Bama struggles, they find a way to kind of figure it out in the middle of the game, and then they win a game. That's kind of, and it was like, Michigan, you know, especially the last couple of years, just can't get over that semifinal hop. Like, it was playing kind of to, to the narratives that we have mm-hmm. about these two teams, and that's like, I remember, you know, around the five-minute mark, going down the elevator, I will fully admit, I was like, Alabama's winning this game. I was thinking about, what do I want to ask players after the game about national championship? Like I, was, I really thought that Michigan had not no chance, but very little chance. I just did not believe in J.J. to deliver that kind of drive in that moment, given that their offense was not good in the second half. I mean, Alabama's defense was very good. Um, and stopping them over and over again. And so I just did not have a lot of faith in Michigan to deliver there. And so the fact that they did, I thought was incredibly impressive. And then you guys mentioned the overtime, uh, you know, series. I mean, when that happened, I was like, it's game over. I mean, I just had no confidence in Alabama to win after that. The ease in which they had it. And just, I remember just kind of looking at the players. They almost looked shell-shocked that they scored in two plays. Like, they were kind of looking around just like, what just happened here? I mean, it was pretty stunning in that regard. So that that to me is, I think, just – I mean, that's a big moment. Now, they had the crowd. It was definitely 65, 35, 70, 30 Michigan. I think they fed off that late in the game. I think it caused issues for Alabama that played a role in it. But just a, just a you know, big-boy drive uh, from J.J. McCarthy late, and
2: uh, I, I'm just incredibly impressed by that. Yeah, I mean, and both of these games came down to, you know, fourth and goal plays, basically, and they could have gone either way. And we could be talking about Alabama versus Texas just yeah. as easily. But um, – with the result, the Michigan and Washington playing for a national title. I mean, it's a it's a day that resets college football because I think we all thought to some degree the SEC was superior, and the Big Ten has had a lot of trouble getting over the hump and, and getting to this point. And you have one Big Ten team, and you have a truly a second Big Ten team in Washington um, that is now there, beating to SEC teams, as it will be next year. And that is a bad day for Greg Sankey, a very good day for Tony (laughs) Petiti, and really just kind of resetting everybody's thinking on this. Like, I think a lot of people, you know, to some degree would be justified in saying they didn't believe Washington could stack up once they got out of the Pac-12 and um, out of the Pac-12 schedule and started playing teams like this, that Michigan wouldn't stack up against Alabama physically. And all that was wrong. Like, and what does that mean going forward when you're talking about how much longer Nick Saban has and what happens with Georgia and Kirby Smart? Like, the Big Ten showed something um, today, and that's, again, it's it's an earthquake um,
1: in college football to me. I like that, yeah. No, I was cracking the joke in the hospitality room as we were watching the end of (coughs) Washington, Texas. I was like, hey, all Big Ten final, right? Like, when's the last time? You know, that's obviously never happened before, but just kind of fun to poke at that. Um, I did want to kind of, you know, we, we're not going to do like a full season obit here. I think we'll probably save that for later in the week after we get some sleep um, and get back home to Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. But I did want to ask you guys, um, you know, I know Saban in his postgame presser made the comment, um, I'm probably going to butcher it word for word, but, you know, said something to the effect of like, this was one of the most fantastic seasons in Alabama football history, just based on where they came from, you know, the week two loss to Texas, the week three debacle at South Florida to then ultimately win the SEC and get to the college football playoff. I'm curious, I'll, you know, throw it out whoever wants to answer first, kind of what you guys thought about that. And, um, you know, I don't need a full detail on Alabama season, but just, you know, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have thoughts on it? I mean, it's, it's kind of been in line with what he's done all
2: year. Like after the Texas loss, he was very positive. After the South Florida loss, he was very positive. And he's always kind of kept the expectations low about this team, even from before the season, when he was talking about, I'm not sure if we're talented enough to win a national championship, but our team has all the right stuff. Well, that was prophetic because here we are and this team had the right stuff. It felt like they were more together. We heard players this week talking about how there's more team chemistry this year than other years. Like, I don't think that was the issue. Um, again, it just, they just weren't quite good enough and it feels like this was kind of their ceiling based on what we saw. But then at the same time, like you said, like they really should have won the game and at the same time, you would be surprised if they had won a national title. So, You know, they overachieved. I wouldn't say they underachieved, but, like, it just, I don't know. It it was a weird season, and I think Saban's just trying to appreciate it. Um, And, obviously, he's at the point in his career where I think he's just trying to appreciate everything that happens. And um, he just, you're not going to see much of the yelling and uh, we're mad about this and X, Y, Z happening. It was a very kind of subdued, grateful Saban after the game. And read into that as you will. I don't know if anybody knows the, the true um, you know, future of him, but that's, that's kind of what he was saying. Is, is, it was one of the most amazing seasons in Alabama history is, is what he called it. John, what do you think? I think it's classic Nick Saban.
0: I mean, this is a process, not results guy. And if you look at the process of this team's improvement over the course of the season, yeah, I think that checks out. I mean, I think the results clearly weren't what Alabama fans have come to expect especially being in a semifinal like this. I mean, we've made this point a lot over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they since 2014, which is the first one, and he's admitted he made mistakes. Like, they win every semifinal. Like, you could basically bank. I mean, was, some of us were making, uh, you know, flight plans to Houston. It's just what you're used, you know, for the National Championship game. And we've been through this radio a couple of times, and one of our friends who were named Nameless said, like, I've never had to cancel my flight before. I usually just, like, it just rolls on through. So that's kind of just unique for us to have to go through, like, Alabama's in the semifinal, then they're going to be in a championship. Like that's just kind of what you get used to doing. So that was kind of unique. But, I mean, if I'm taking a step back and not viewing it from a Saban lens, like, is it one of the most fantastic Alabama seasons? No. They lost in the semifinal. Like, this is a program that's won 17 national championships. Like right. Those are the fantastic years. Like I'm, Not to be too results-oriented here, but like, that's what we judge this world on. And right. So I 100%, 100% understand what Nick Saban is saying. I think from a journalistic standpoint, it's been one of my – more interesting and enjoyable seasons to cover just because it was so unusual and unpredictable and it wasn't as much as fans didn't like it it wasn't the joyless burner ball where you just know how much are they winning by not if they're going to win like every week was there were stakes to it I mean I think Saban probably understood that too like it took a lot for him on a daily basis just to get them to this moment which I think he can appreciate but um no I mean I, I think a program that's won all that's won it's it's not the most fantastic season but like Mike said I think he's appreciating things more and that's great for him too
1: yeah no I, I think I think it was a successful season um and it's weird to use that word because I'm not sure that I would actually call it a success um like I think there were elements of success that were had like they just the growth from you know week two week three to you know like I would I know I know you said that this was maybe kind of their ceiling this game I would argue that the Georgia game was really their ceiling. I thought that was as good. The team that took the field that day in Atlanta was the the best team in the country, I think. And, you know, they were able, you know, after everything that they went through the season, I think there's something to be said for putting themselves in position to, you know, compete in the national semifinals to really have quite a few chances to win this game and get to the national championship game. Um, You know, but that's, you know, you got to win it, right? Like that's, he may not be results oriented, but the rest of the world is right. And not to
0: like crossover sports here, but I believe this even before the game. And I think I believe it even more now, Georgia was their Super Bowl. That was the game that they wanted. I think it was very important for them to reestablish themselves as the standard of college football. Now it didn't end up working out, but like, I think they built a lot of the season into beating Georgia. And I think they accomplished that. And it's like, We made this point, like, the naysayers were kind of gone. They hit the mountaintop that they wanted to hit. Could they rank it up one more time? And I think that that was, you know, something that maybe they just weren't
2: able to do. And I don't know if the team we saw today would have beaten Texas or Washington.
1: No, I agree. Regardless of who won that game. I agree. Too many mistakes. Way too many mistakes. Which, in a game like this, like, those, you know, they took the number one team in the country to OT, and there's something to be said about that, but, like, clean up how many of those mistakes and it doesn't even go to regulation they win the game right like and it's you know that's what's probably going to eat at these guys especially Saban especially the outgoing seniors who are leaving like that's
0: and man. it's funny like I was almost laughing earlier when you're saying how this season's maybe not a success like it's all relative because we hold Alabama to the highest standard but like they did good overtime and they were also like about four minutes away from being the national championship game like that is a success and like a million schools would kill to be that but like For Alabama, it is championship or bust. We've talked about it a million times. And so, like, relative to that, it's not.
1: That's kind of what I meant by, like, there were successful elements to the season. But overall, I'm not sure that I would call it a success. But They played so many close games. And at some point, like, you play that many
2: close games, you're going to lose one. Yeah. Yeah. so the second one they lost.
1: Yeah. So I, there's something to be said about having the mental fortitude to, you know, navigate all those challenges and, and to put yourself in position, to, you know, I, there's, if you would have told me that Alabama had a touchdown lead with four minutes to go against Michigan and Michigan had the ball, which meant Alabama's defense was on the field, I'm like, yeah, they're probably winning that game, yeah. right? Especially if Michigan's got to go 75 yards in the four minutes, right? So there's something to be said about putting yourself in that position, but also there has been so many times where they have not only put themselves in position, but have taken advantage of that opportunity and they just didn't do it tonight. Nope. That is, uh, that's kind of the season. That's, I mean, that's really kind of our our recap on the game. And, um, you know, this week at the Rose Bowl, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. Um, I think all three of us are really, really tired and probably need a nap. Um, but we'll make sure to get this up on first thing Tuesday morning for you guys to listen to um we'll be back sometime probably later this week I'd like to do a full obit um after we kind of get some rest and recharge our batteries a little bit um I'd like to kind of take a step back and look at the season as a whole things we liked, things we didn't um you know we'll do that in podcast form we'll do that in written form um I just think it'd be kind of fun to you know kind of recap everything before um the national championship game next week between uh Michigan and Washington which sidebar kind of fitting that the you know last two sorry Florida State last two undefeated teams are in the championship game like that that's kind of cool right that's how it should be Right, yeah, number one versus number two. Um, So I think that'll be a pretty good game. But, yeah, we'll be back later this week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Believe we're still running. That's 60% off annual VIP membership, uh, about $43 for the entire year. You get all of our Rose Bowl good stuff. You're going to get all of our transfer portal stuff that's probably going to be popping off over the next week. Um, Spring practice is going to be here before you know it. Also, it's basketball season. I don't know if you guys know this, um, but a little bit of hoops out action, too. Um, So, yeah, make a belated, a great belated Christmas gift for the Alabama fan in your life. Thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you again, Mike and John, for talking ball with me. We will talk to you guys again soon.